What I'm going to talk about today has been on my mind for two years. And why am I there? You always get this, don't you? Yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to go through something that I've been looking at for two years and I've never got the answer to it. So I've been asking the Lord, Lord, will you show me? Will you speak to me about the times? And, and as I unraveled this this week, um, it became even more poignant about what is happening tomorrow. What is happening tomorrow? 70th anniversary, 70th anniversary of Israel. What else is happening tomorrow? We spoke two weeks ago about Donald Trump being a type of Cyrus. What's happening tomorrow? The American embassy has been moved to, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Yeah, and some of us are going to be there in Jerusalem next month. Um, and, and when I unpacked this, I didn't realise as I was unpacking it what a significance of the timing of this. Is. So I believe, again, this is a word for today. This isn't about the end times, because we're in the end times. You know, we're living in the end times. But please stay with me on this, because as I unpack it, you're going to need to have your thumb and finger in three different passages in the Bible. You're going to have to have it in Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38, and Zechariah 12. These are all end time books. They're speaking about three wars, three huge, huge battles that are going to come on the earth. And we're going to see these things. We're going to see these battles unravel where if we are not prepared for it, it, will, you know, it says in the Bible that people will die of heart attacks because of the terror that's going to come on. But we're not going to have any of that because one of the things I'm looking at is... Are these three passages of Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38, and Zechariah 12, are they talking about three different battles? Are they talking about one battle, the end time battle, the Armageddon battle? Or are they talking about maybe two battles? Well, I believe that Psalm 83 and also Zechariah 12 are speaking about the same battle. And I believe that we're about to see this happen. We're going to see war break out in a way that we've never seen it before. And, uh, and then Ezekiel 38, I believe, is the end time battle. I believe it happens at the end. Why? Because the Bible tells us. So here we have a psalm that is written. Well, look at Psalm 83. Now, I suggest you do your own study. I'm going to do a very quick overview of it. But please do your own study. Because Jesus said, when the world is declaring peace, 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 then the end will come. Amen. Remember those words. Peace, peace, peace. Then the end will come. But here we have a guy called Asfith. Asfith. He has written the Psalm 83. He has written 12 Psalms. He wrote from Psalm 73 to 83, and he also wrote Psalm 50. Who was he? He was a worship leader. He was David's, King David and his mighty men of valour. You know, he was a worship leader. He was the guy that used to go into battle before the actual army, singing praise and worship. But he was also what we know from Chronicles, a seer prophet. Now, when he wrote Psalm 83, you've got to remember that King David was on the throne and that they were winning the battles. They weren't defeated. They were taking land. They were winning. So why would this guy suddenly write Psalm 83 and 84 in a time when things are going right for Israel? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's our end time psalm. It's going to happen now. We're about to see this come on the earth now. 
And this is what I really want to unpack. See, it tells of a confederacy, a gathering of armies that will come against Israel. They're just going to attack Israel. And uh, we see this. I'll put the slide up. I said. We see this happening around this area. And these, this is what he is explaining. He's explaining that all these areas around Israel, here, these areas, are going to attack Israel. Have we seen it? We've seen parts of it. We've seen some parts of it. But this is talking about another battle. It's talking about something else. Because it says these words in Psalm 83, verse 1. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace and do not be still, O God. So he's basically saying, come on, Lord, you've got to do something about this. You've got to do something about this. It's, um, he's crying out for justice to come forth. He's crying out, you know, how on earth are you you're allowing this to happen? You know, but it hasn't happened yet. This is a future event that is going to happen in our life. We're going to see this unpack. And I believe this is going to happen very quickly. Um, and what Asheth is saying here, he's saying, God, you can't remain silent. These are your people. What are you going to do about it? And remember, he was writing this when King David was on the throne. I mean, he was a mighty man. I mean, he's, they said to him, you know, go, go and get me a hundred foreskins, and he brought back a thousand. You know, he, he was a fighter. But it was a time of where Israel were taking the ground. So, the world has been trying to sort out one problem. For 70 years is the Israeli-Arab conflict. They've been trying to, for 70 years, trying to sort this thing out. Nations have been involved, presidents have been involved, people have been involved, left, right and centre. Has it been successful? No. Why hasn't it been successful? You see, there are Islamic countries that are around Israel that have come to one conclusion that Israel do not deserve to be that, in that country. And they are hell-bent on the destruction of Israel. There, there are nations around Israel that are just wanting one thing, is to kill every man, woman and child in Israel. There, there, is, there is no other thing. So, we see people like Hezbollah, Hamas, you know, literally Iran, all around all these areas that we're looking at now, they're now voicing, we want the destruction of Israel. You see, the Arab states were against Israel in 1947 when they returned back. That's what we're celebrating, is 70 years of this. We were also, in 1967, we saw three major, Egypt, Syria, and Jordan, attack Israel's borders. And Israel defended themselves by the grace of God. Some miraculous things happened. And not only did they take land, they took one thing that's incredible. They took Jerusalem. Because up until that point, if you remember from 1947, Jerusalem was divided into east and west. And uh, they took back the old city uh, in 1947. Then we saw another... Uh, war break out in, in 1973 where thousands died. But Israel again won and they took back land. So these are the nations that Psalm 83 are talking about. These ones. And this is how he names them. So we see that Assyria, which is Assyria, Ammon, Moab, which is all Jordan, Edom, Amalek, and Philistia, and Tyre all in Lebanon. These are all the, the, the countries that he's talking about in this psalm. It's incredible. Is this part of the tribulation? I don't believe it is. I do not believe it is. You see, in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 38, you see, I'm saying that in, Z, in Psalm 83, it's the inner cities, the countries. But in Ezekiel 38... It talks about all of these countries which are outside that circle. All of these places. 
And they call it the Magog and the Gog invasion. And this is what Ezekiel is talking about. They're not the same people. They are not the same people. So they've got to be two different wars going on. So it's entirely different. We see Turkey, we see Iran, we see Libya, we see parts of the old Soviet Union, the stands, you know, coming against them. We see um, Mag and Gog and, you know, Magog and, and all of that. But here's something that's happened, is Ezekiel 38 is so easy to understand. It's really easy to understand. It doesn't take rocket science to unpack that uh, passage there. Whereas Psalm 83 does take some packing out. You've got to really dig deep and uh, have a look at it. But I believe that Zechariah 12 and Psalm 83 are talking about the same battle. Very, very similar. And if you look at Zechariah 13, in the next verse, in in that next chapter, it talks about the destructions of two-thirds of the Jews are going to be killed, and only one-third come out of it. That's not talking about the six million Jews that were killed in the Second World War through the Nazis. This is a forthcoming event. Zechariah is an end-time books, so I, I suggest get into it. Um, but I believe these are totally different wars, and uh, it, they, they, they are different because there are two different ways they're fought. Ezekiel 38 is fought by the Lord. It's the Lord's intervention. If you look at there's earthquakes, there's brimstone, there's fire coming down from, from heaven, there is um, floods, there are, there are just all of this hailstones all coming on this, this, this huge army that's coming against Israel. Whereas Psalm 83 is fought by men and women with God's intervention, where God is going to be seeing a people made strong. Whereas in Ezekiel 38, it's God showing himself to be strong. Do you understand that? You're with me on that? Good. If you do need a coffee, by the way, or just just get up and make one and then come back and sit down, because it's going to take some some real concentration getting through this. But Ezekiel 38, we see a massive, massive army. We see this in Revelation 9, 16. The number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000. Which is, which is what? It's 200 million. Now look at this. Just, just look at this for me. Iran, 75 million. These are the countries it's talking about in Ezekiel 38. Ethiopia, 45 million. Libya, 6 million. Turkey, 75 million. Look at the total there. 201 million. Could it be talking about this army? I believe it is. I totally believe it is. It's talking of 200 million men coming against Israel. But here's something I want to clear up once and for all. Right, bit of geography. You're having a bit of history, now a bit of geography. Right, which is on this earth, which is the most northern point on the earth that we can ever get? The North Pole. The North Pole. It's got to be, hasn't it? Yes? Do we agree upon that? So the North Pole has got to be the most northern part. Because in Ezekiel, it says that they come from way north way north. So I went on to Google Maps and uh, I had a look at this. So if we are saying, because every map that we have, Ordnance Survey map, it has two compass bearings. It has true north or magnetic north. And magnetic north is four degrees out from true north, right? So I decided to take from Jerusalem far north. It hits, does that make sense? So we go to the North Pole. Well, look at this. There's Moscow. How on earth can people come up with Magog and Gog? Where, if we go from Jerusalem here, it barely touches Russia. Barely touches. So how can people deduce that it's Moscow and the army? Here's my thoughts. Because the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 38. There's Jerusalem. Straight north, goes through Cyprus, right through Ankara, Turkey. You can't get, you can't, you, can't, you can't make that up, can you? It goes right the way through Ankara. And I think this is what Ezekiel is telling us, that the Gog and the Magog army is not Russia, it's Turkey. It's Turkey that will come against them. 
Because look, there are seven churches, where? In Turkey. Satan's seat was where? In Turkey. Ankara, north of Jerusalem, Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39. Noah's Ark lands in where? Mount Anorak, Turkey. Iran shares a border with Turkey. These are one of the armies that comes against Israel in Ezekiel 38. The fountains of water are in Turkey, and the Bible says that Gog is Turkey. Do we agree? Yeah. Right? So it can't be Russia? No. Yes? Agree. agree. Right. So, we go on. It's a massive, massive army. And Ezekiel 38, it says that this army is going to be over 200 million. You can read it in Ezekiel 38, verses 1 to 5. And it tells you that Rosh, Meshech, Tabul uh, are all going to come. And these are all the names of Iran, of Turkey, of uh, Persia, Iran, uh, Iraq. All these armies are going to come up. But they come up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel in Ezekiel 39. So, Ezekiel 38, verse 11 says, You say, I will go up against a land, unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither gates nor walls. Now, here's a question. Ezekiel is saying that this army is coming against Israel. But they're talking about Israel being in peace. Complete peace. Are we seeing that? No. It's the most fought over piece of land in history. The most fought over. Are we seeing, has Israel got any wars? Absolutely they have. Look. There's one. It's over 400 miles long. Have they got gates? Absolutely, they've got checkpoints. Everywhere you go, you have to go through a gate and checkpoints all over the place. You wait in cars, you know, you go, we've been through some of these places. And there are gates. But Israel has never been at peace. Never. Are we agreed upon that? Right? So, we will continue. There's no ways. There is a wall. So this is what makes Ezekiel 38 totally different to Psalm 83. Because we haven't seen now, into modern day, this time, Israel in peace. So it's totally talking about two different uh, armies. And it's God that will fight in Ezekiel 38 with, for his people. With earthquakes, with floods, with fire, brimstone and hailstones. And these are 40 pound hailstones. You know, one hits you on the head, there isn't going to be a lot left of you. You know, it, it is, it's incredible. And then they also say that the army divides and kills each other. Does it sound familiar? It absolutely is. It is totally, we've seen all this. Then they will know that I am the Lord. This is Ezekiel 38. Sounds like God fights this battle. But in Zechariah 12, something happens before Ezekiel 38. And I believe what happens is Psalm 83 and Zechariah 12. That a battle happens that makes Israel completely at peace. Where there are no walls, there are no gates. So what is this? It comes in here. In, in Zechariah 12, it says these words. The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens and lays foundations of the earth. Here is Zechariah quoting from Isaiah 44. <coughs> exactly the same things. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples. Why are they drunk? It's a dizziness. Another word is dizziness. Because these people that surround Israel, it isn't their land. It's not their land. So they get in there and there's confusion. They're just confused. That's what he's talking about here. I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and against Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the people. All the people. All who have 
who would heave it away will surely be cut to pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. Where are all the nations of the earth gathered against Israel now? The United Nations. The United Nations is the most anti-Semitic group of people that you could ever find. Not far from the Labour Party. Whoops. I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, that's a joke. But where is Judah? Where is Samaria? Where is Jerusalem? Have a look at this. These are the areas that they're talking about. Samaria and Judah. What are these areas? It's the West Bank. Where are all the arguments in Israel? The West Bank and Gaza. This is all talking about, there's the Gaza Strip down here, and it's talking about this area and this area. Incredible that, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. So, it, as I said, it mirrors Isaiah 44. And it's basically saying, I, I, that yellow is mine, lays the foundations and the forms of the spirit man. It's basically, it's exactly the same. And Zechariah is quoting uh, Isaiah here. You've got, you know, you've got to understand that. But we're seeing these things playing before us and right now. You know, I thank God for President Trump. At least he's made a stand. But it gets even more involved. And I'll come on to that in a minute. That we know that two weeks ago that President Trump is a type of Cyrus. He's a type of Cyrus. Even on, they have printed on the, uh, the new temple coin, they've printed Cyrus's head on and Trump's head on. So even the Israelis are recognising that Trump is a type of Cyrus. Um, but we also have a timeline here. But we know that from Zechariah that this cup of trembling is for the Arabs and it will become a burden stone for all the nations. All the nations. Here we have... This is from Isaiah 44, which is talking about Cyrus. Isn't it incredible? Zechariah quotes Cyrus, uh, quotes Isaiah from the same thing. It's talking about Cyrus. So I think we're seeing this being played out today. He is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and I put by Jews, and to the temple, your foundations shall be laid. So if we have recognised from two weeks ago that Trump is a type of Cyrus, something is going to happen. The third temple will be built. It's got to happen. These are prophetic voice. This is a prophetic message for today. It's got to happen. So here we have, right? There's a bit of a history lesson because I think the United Nations need to know this, this lesson. Isaiah lived in this day, in 740 BC, and that's when he was supposedly cut in half with a saw with a, in 701. Jerusalem will be habited with Jews and the cities of Judah will be built. That's what Isaiah says. Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC. So we're talking, you know, almost 3,000 years ago. We know that Nebuchadnezzar came along and laid siege against Jerusalem. This isn't, this isn't just from the Bible, this is history. And then we know that King Cyrus of Persia, Iran, modern-day Iran now, from 538 BC, conquers the Babylonians and sends the Jews back to Jerusalem, back to their land. So can we say here, I hope the United Nations are listening, that Israel... This is their land. That Jerusalem, through over just 300 years, I'm not going back as far as King David, even though you know, I am going back as far as King David. It's their land. This is their land. So how people can say that, that, that Israel is not their land is beyond me. They don't know history very well. They don't know it. So here we have this cup of trembling. And who is it going to tremble? Well, we know from, Isaac, from Psalm 83... It's these countries. Here, Lebanon, Syria, ISIS, Hezbollah, Jordan, Iraq, Palestinians, Saudi Arabia, Egypt will get pulled in, and Hamas. These are the people that are surrounding Jerusalem, surrounding Israel as we speak and as we sit here. 
But God says that he's going to make Israel a cup of trembling. Jerusalem a cup of trembling. So, Isaiah, Zechariah 12, 3 says, And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples, and all who have heaved it away will surely be cut to pieces. I believe God's word is literal. There is going to be an army that are going to be cut to pieces from these surrounding areas. Are you with me? You're finding this interesting? Right? But we can't be talking about the UN because the UN haven't solved this. Every president in, in, our, in our history have tried to sort this thing out. We've seen uh, Bill Clinton trying to get peace in Israel. That didn't work. We saw then Bush trying to get peace. Never worked. Then we see uh, Obama trying to get peace through John Kerry. Never worked. Never worked. I don't believe Obama wanted peace, by the way. I think he'll be shown up for what he is. Absolutely. So I believe that this is going to happen now. And it'll make more sense. So this is my translation of Zechariah 12. When Israel is surrounding Arab neighbours, attempts to be sieged and to, false, uh, to falsify and forcibly possess Jerusalem. In that day, the international community will attempt to intervene and impose a burden upon the city. Zechariah, Zechariah warns that this is a very bad idea because that burden will boomerang back to solely wound, sorely so, so, wound, or to cut to pieces those nations. So it's important that the United Kingdom stand with Israel. Really important that we stand with Israel. Because this is what the Lord says. This is what the Word says is going to happen. So, where is Edom? This is where I'm going to unpack it a little bit for you, of Psalm 83. It talks about the tents of Edom. What are tents talk about? Temporary. A tent is temporary. Where do we see a lot of tents? Especially from Syria. Refugees. Absolutely. So the tents of Edom, and these, look at these, the Ishmaelites, the Moabs, all these names. I'm going to unpack them. They're the Palestinian refugees. Edom is the Palestinian refugees. And here it's talking about the Palestinian refugees in Psalm 83. The tents of Edom. It's the Philistines. It's the, the Palestinians. This is what Ashif is, is telling us. It's when you see these tents, and we see the refugee camps because the Palestinians, there's, there, there is millions of them scattered all around the Middle East. And not one Arab nation has adopted them and said, be a part of us. Not one Arab nation has taken these Palestinians and said, come on in. And then there's two million living in Le Lebanon. There's, million, there's a few million living in Jordan. There's a handful living in, in Israel. Palestinians, through the Gaza Strip and the Western Bank. But all of the Arab nations are saying, free these people, free these people, give them their land. You know, we want a divided state, the Palestinians. and It's not their land. Number one, it's not their land. Historically, it is not their land. Yet the international community through the UN are crying out for the Israelis to give these people back their land. It's not their land. We've got to understand that. So, yep. I know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So here we have, everybody recognise this guy? Mahmoud Abbas. Mahmoud Abbas. He is the, the, um, the, the, the president of the, uh, Israeli, the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. And this is what he says, one day a young Palestinian will raise the Palestinian flag over Jerusalem 
the eternal capital of the state of Palestine. And he quoted that in 2012. How can he say that it's their land? It isn't their land. But it'd be a cup of drunkenness. They are drunk and hell-bent on war. We spoke to a taxi driver when we were driving in Israel. And I said, you know, pretending not to know a lot about the problems, I said, what is it like? Do the Arabs want to make peace? And he goes, yes, they do want to make peace. They want to have Israel piece by piece by piece. And that's what, you know, and, and, and this is a well-recognized um, thing. But it's going to be a cup of trembling and... But who, who fathered, you, you know, Jacob. Jacob was known as, what was his name? Israel. Esau fathered these people. Esau fathered the Palestinians. Yeah, and they fought, didn't they? For the contention and the heritage. This battle is still going on from Esau and Jacob. Still happening to us today. So we go on. You see... The UN support and recognise the Palestinians as a state. They, they've recognised them. They've given them the same status you know, as the United Kingdom or America. But they recognise the Palestinians. They're meddling again and it will be a stone around their necks. Hands off people. This is what God is saying. Hands off people. This is my people's place. Get your hands off. So Jerusalem is mentioned. Do you know how many times in the Bible? Over a thousand times. And do you know how many names Jerusalem has? Over 70. 70 different names. Hmm, look at the Quran. How many times is Jerusalem mentioned in the Quran? Zero. Zero. And the only reason why they now say that after Medina and Mecca, the third most important place is that, that, uh, that mosque on Temple Mount, they only made it the third because they realised how special that place was to the Jewish nation they only made it so it would be special to them so it's got to be special to us but Jerusalem is never mentioned in the Quran, never so I think that says quite a lot um, right listen to this Zechariah 12 verse 4 to 6 in that day says the Lord I will strike every horse with confusion and its riders with madness. I will open my eyes on the house of Judah and will strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their hearts, the inhabitants of Jerusalem are my strength in the Lord of hosts, their God. In that day, I will make the governors of Judah like a firepan in a woodpile and like a fiery torch in the sheaves, and they shall devour all the surrounding peoples on their right and on their left, but Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place. So it says in this battle, Israel, Jerusalem, will be absolutely victorious, completely victorious. They will go against this confederacy, and defeat them. That's what Isaiah is saying, that's what Zechariah is saying. But it doesn't touch the outer ring of Ezekiel 38. It doesn't touch the people of this. So I, my, my deduction from all of this is that Ezekiel 38 and Psalm 83 are both different battles. There are different battles and totally in different time sets. I've read that out to you. So what I've done is I just translated it for myself into, modern, into a modern day language. If he blinds the horses and all the chariots and the people with blindness, I believe that the Lord will cause Arab artillery... Arab tanks, Arab planes to malfunction, to completely malfunction. And the people sat inside them will go, huh? What on earth? They, they will go mad. 
they will go completely mad. Oh my word, why aren't we, can't, why can't I fire this? Why can't, just like the horses with blindness, can, can we swap the horses and the chariots to modern day? You know, this is a modern day army. And I will strike every horse with confusion. So I believe that God's intervention will make something of supernatural power against, against these armies that they can't fight. And what will the Israeli, the IDF do? <gasps> They'll get emboldened. Oh my word, the Lord's with us. They will come out and they will fight. And I believe this is what we're going to see. It's because we've seen it before. Where have we seen it before? In Exodus. In Exodus, look at this. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. See that? And he took off their chariot wheels. This is God. This is the angels. God, guys, go down there. Rip their chariot wheels off. So that they drove them with difficulty and the Egyptians says, let us flee from the face of Israel. The Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. But as we know, Pharaoh didn't stop. He carried on and then the seas closed and drowned them all. I believe God's going to do this again with Israel. I totally believe that. Um, I believe that we will see some sort of confusion, you know, coming against these people. Um, this is what I believe is going to happen. That their radars will stop working. That's what will make them blind. They're in their tanks, if you go into tanks now, they've got incredible equipment that they can pinpoint exactly where they are, especially after the first um, Gulf War, where the tanks didn't have that. They've got it now on every tank where they know exactly where they are. But somehow I think that the Lord is going to blind the, 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 the armies against them. It's going to be disabled. And then I will open my eyes on the house of Judah and will strike every enemy horse of the people with blindness. So in that day, I'm really skipping over this. I'm not really referring to my notes. But in that day, this is what's going to happen. The IDF are going to get emboldened. They're going to come out and say, wow, the army's confused. Their battle, their tanks aren't working, their artillery, their rockets are misfiring. You know, the, the Lord is with us. And they're going to come out of their place. And Zechariah 12 says exactly that, 4 to 6. That in that day I will make the governors, the governors here we can translate as captains, captains, captains of the IDF of Judah will be like a fire pan in the wood pile and like a fiery torch in the sheaves. It's going to be really quick and it's going to be very simple. The IDF will get stuck into them and they will devour all the surrounding peoples on their right and on their left. And there won't be any question anymore about Jerusalem. Because this is what I believe. I believe from this, from this war there will be peace in all of that surrounding area. There will be complete peace in Jerusalem. There will be no walls that Zechariah talks about and uh, in Psalm 83. There will be no walls and there will be no gates. Why? Because there won't be any need for them. There's going to be peace in Israel. And I believe that is when we will see the third temple being built because nobody's going to object. Everybody is going to sign this peace treaty. But when they sign the peace treaty of all the surrounding people and Israel, there's one person who has to put his signature on that. He ratifies it. He, he puts his signature on this peace treaty to say, yeah, I recognize there's peace in Jerusalem and Israel. Who's that man going to be? The Antichrist. He's going to... He's, and it, what did Jesus say? They will be declaring what? Peace, 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 and peace. So there has to be peace in Israel. This is Ezekiel 37 11. This is a different army because the 200 million, this won't be an army that's coming against Israel, will be 200 million. This is the outer circle, 
that will come against Israel. And I believe this army that Ezekiel's talking about will happen at the end. Happen at the end, right at the end. So. They'll be quieted. They'll, 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 they will be completely quiet. Because the mandate is that if any country is attacked, you can forcibly defend yourself, and any land that you take back or acquire in defending, it becomes yours. The, when Israel were attacked by Egypt, they went right up all across from, from Elat, all the way, right the way through to the, the Cyan Desert, right the way through uh, to um, the Red Sea Resort, Sharm, Sharm el-Sheikh. And they knew they couldn't defend it, so they gave it back. It was too much to handle. Too much to handle. So here we have the expansion of Israel. I believe the expansion of Israel will be 70 times its size wow. as we see it today. 70 times. Because it is going to have all of this area. And there will be peace. The Arabs will lose the fight. They'll get annihilated. And they'll say, God's with them. So, those, Obadiah says this, in Obadiah 1, 19 to 20, that the expansion of Israel will acquire all of these areas. South Jordan, Gaza, West Bank, Golan Heights, and Southern Lebanon. Do the studying. Have a look at these scriptures. But here it comes, folks. I'm almost finished, and I can't believe I've almost done it. Yes. I thought this would take me about an hour and a half, and I think I've been about... 50 minutes. Did you know about this act? Can anybody tell me whether they knew about this act of 1995? It's the United, it's the United States Jerusalem Embassy Act of 1995. And I didn't print out all of the points, so I've got 1, 2, 7, 9, 17. But listen to it. Number one, this is the point where they're talking about Jerusalem, the United, the United States Embassy in Jerusalem. Not in Tel Aviv, in Jerusalem. Every sovereign state, including Israel, may designate its own capital. This is the United States talking about Israel and Jerusalem. Number two, since 1950, the city of Jerusalem has been the capital of the United States, of, of Israel, of Israel, of the state of Israel. Since 1967.7 here, Jerusalem has been a united city administered by Israel. No longer Jordan, because it was administered by Jordan for them. It's now been taken off Jordan and been united. Number the, the, the ninth point, strongly believes that Jerusalem must remain an undivided city undivided city. Point 17, in 1996, the state of Israel will celebrate the 3,000th anniversary of the Jewish presence in Jerusalem since King David's entry. This predates Israeli's presence prior to all of the current Arab statements. It's incredible, isn't it? Since 1995, this is what United States Jerusalem Embassy Act. And you know what? Every president since 1995, every six months, he has to delay it. He has to put a signature and delay it for another six months. Another six months. Another six months. Another six months. So in eight years, how many times did Obama delay moving the embassy to the capital of Jerusalem? 16 times. Put his signature 16 times. So when Trump came on the scene, all he did, because he's a type of what? Cyrus. He's a type of Cyrus. He recognises this act. And all he does is he signs the paper saying, yeah, Israel and Jerusalem is its capital. Therefore, we will move our embassy into Jerusalem. When's that going to happen? Tomorrow. It happens tomorrow. This act is now going to be put into practice and into complete fullness tomorrow. So can you see why I'm bringing this message today? Because it is incredibly prophetic. 
Absolutely. I believe five things will happen. Here it goes. Or four. <laughs> the signal that the world's greatest superpower supports Israel Amen. and the rights to Jerusalem as its undivided capital. This is the United States. Further undermines the international control and oversight of Jerusalem, especially through the United Nations. You need to be praying for that lovely lady who is the ambassador of the United Nations from America. She's born again. Fully born again. And she gets up and she is bold. It paves the way for other nations now to move their embassies. Oh, to, to Jerusalem, not Tel Aviv. I pray. Oh, Lord. Make the UK move their embassy to Jerusalem alongside the United States. But here it is, folks, that this is likely to provoke war. I think this is where we're at. I believe this is exactly where we're at. We're about to see war break out in the Middle East. The Gaza Strip is going up in arms. Literally. Literally. Hamas have assembled thousands of people along that border. There is a high state of um, alertness in the army, the IDF. Incredible, like never before. Because I believe that we're about to see war. And I believe that what will happen is that the surrounding areas of Psalm 83 and Zechariah 12 will now amass against Israel. And I believe that they will win. I've always said this. I've said this. I've said they will win and they will gain land. They will gain all this land. Folks, it's incredible. We're on the brink of it. We're really on the brink of it. This is going to happen. You know, and, and I don't know whether we're going to go in June to Israel. If war breaks out, you know, I think Sadhu, unless he's been told otherwise, or it could break out afterwards. But I believe we've got maybe a few months because it's going to take, from Psalm 83, it's going to take a bunch of people to get together and start logistically moving their armies. Hezbollah are already doing it. Iran are already doing it. What have we seen this week? Israel bombing Syria. Why? Because they're amassing and moving their armour, their, their rockets, into Syria into Syria, which is on the border of Israel. It's happening, folks. It's going to happen. So when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're going to see peace. But it's going to be done with a lot of bloodshed. When these, does that make sense to you? Have... Yeah. Right. Saudi Arabia at the moment are telling Israel you can't allow this to happen with Iran. They're telling Israel to bomb them. They're helping them. But I believe that Saudi Arabia will be involved in Ezekiel 38, but not on a full scale. Something's going to happen. I, 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 you know, I, I don't, I, listen, we're seeing um, Muslims coming to the Lord in their hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands in places like Iran, Saudi Arabia, it's happening. But folks, can you see now, you know, why it's really important to look at biblical prophecy? Because we're living it. We're in it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's completely. So folks, um, please go and do your own study. You know, have a look at and, and read. But, I mean, I've, I've just given you an overview of those passages. But in one of the passages, it says it takes seven years to clean up the mess. And that when this army is destroyed, that they can burn and keep fires going for seven months. Seven months in one of them. And there's seven years in the other. You know, but literally, it's, it's, and I believe that we're on the brink of seeing Damascus go. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the most ancient city and it's never, ever been laid siege. 
until now. Until now. So folks, we're living it. Isn't it exciting? Because now the IDF will be involved and they will be victorious. Like no tomorrow. There will be peace in Israel. For, and guess when that... What, can, you, can you see the, the stepping stones of what's going to happen? When there's peace, we know we're into the last seven years. And especially when that man, the Assyrian, puts his signature in the United Nations and ratifies that peace, agrees to it. I believe we're going to see this happen this year. Sobering. Yes? I think we're living... Well, I, I know we're living in the end times. <laughs> no. I think, I think when, they, when they win this battle, there won't be any, any arguments to them building a temple. They, you know, they can do, they'll, they'll be able to do whatever they want and just get on with it. They're not going to need any permission. And I don't believe it's going to be built on the Temple Mount. I'll be very surprised if it is because... It's not where the temple was, we know. Oh, I've done it. Ding. Done it. Yeah. yeah. Do you want? It's fascinating. It's just as brief because I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You this is just very brief, but it's fascinating how Andy's talking about this. But just last night or the night before, Denise and I were looking at the 1967 war in the sense of the film. Uh, which was produced by the Jews uh, for that. And just as an incident, every war that Israel has fought since 1948, 1949, 67, and 73, they've taken more land. Yeah, absolutely. They've yeah. about 36,000 square kilometres, and they started off with 8,000. So then, 8,000. The next one, they're going to take back, I was, I was saying this last night, they're going to take back everything that's owned from them. Absolutely. That's what will happen in this next war. But just the interesting thing about this film, was I was watching this, and you were watching the Israeli army moving into Sinai, you were watching them bomb out. You, it was like you were seeing the angels and God in the film. There was such an amazing spirit over Israel. And those soldiers were running. They were taking the land, running. So when there's house-to-house fighting in Jerusalem, they were running. Mm. Now, actually, modern-day armies can't do that. They go house by house, and they take a day for each house. Cause the, the, but God was so there yeah. that they took them running. They took Egypt out in a day. They took yep. East Jerusalem back in a day. That's the supernatural power of God. The, the biggest tank battle ever on the Golan Heights. On the Western Bank. The yeah, Golan Heights, yeah. The, on the Golan Heights, where Israel were facing extremely outnumbered. They watched the Syrian tank soldiers come out their tanks and run. Yeah. So yep. this is supernatural. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is absolutely... Everything Andy said... Charismatic move. Well, that, yeah, that happened in 67. 67, yeah. So in 48, there was a healing revival, wasn't there? Healing revival. And in 1967, it was the charismatic move. Yep. yep. So, what have we got coming now? This because what? this is really, really significant, especially in terms of what lots of people have been sensing, and not just individuals here, but also like, you know, prophetic people on, on the world stage. Yep. So, what so, have we got coming? So, I, I believe that entirely coinciding with this there is going to be a now a new move in the church it's what we've been prophesying here it's what we've been saying here this this most of the church i'd say the majority of the church are going to miss us because they haven't recognized the times and the seasons that they're in they haven't recognized it they, they certainly i mean this this is literally we're living it all this is prophetic living it today seeing it today so i believe we're going to see a move now where we've never seen before this is when we light up, as Isaiah says, we light up seven times brighter than all the seven ages of the church put together. This is our day. This is when we have a completion of Pentecost. Yeah, we will see, but, but the majority of the church are going to miss it. And when it starts happening, because every new move of God will be, um, they will have resistance from the last move of God. So the majority of the charismatic church will miss this next move or resist it. Or resist it. 
Sorry, what, to explain that one? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe now this next war will be the last time the Gentiles will uh, have any control over Jerusalem, and that's what Daniel was talking about. No. Yeah. It's nations. It's nations. It's not talking about Christians. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not too sure. No, I'm not. I'm not too sure about what what you actually mean, Ian. I mean, I, I always take the the time of the Gentiles, which is you know, it's us. But yeah. I, th I think, yeah, I don't think it's the fullness of the move of the church, no. No, no, it's not. I just, you know, don't, don't, get, don't get too, too in, you know, down that road, because what we've got to do is concentrate what the Lord is saying now and saying to his people. So, folks, you know, we need to be praying for Jerusalem. Sorry. Yeah, the Pope, the, the Pope is going to address the United Nations. I didn't even know that. Yeah, and and no, I don't. I don't think it will. I don't think it will cause a separation. I believe. I mean, this might offend people, but I believe that the the Pope is the is going to be the, the false prophet. But we will start seeing a separation happen before that. I believe that. that I think we're in that time of separation now. Yeah, oh, God, he's been saying that from the day one, hasn't he? Yeah, look how this Pope came into power when they moved, they literally moved the other Pope to the side. They said, they, they made him move. Yes, Jane. This is the Pope, yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. And 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 uh, and then he, he said he said he went on to say that the cross um, was not a victorious thing; it was defeat. Pope said that. Yeah. So See, he's preparing the world for the really. Yeah. And, 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 and they believe, you know, that's why the, the, the Catholic Church have got the biggest, uh, in America, the biggest telescope looking out there because they're, they're waiting for something to arrive. Because they, they, they know, that, I mean, you just have to go to Gen 6, what we were talking about, and they, they say it. But that whole mitre that the Pope wears, what's all that about? Dagon. Not just Dagon. Where did Dagon get it? It's, it's the uh, Nephilim. It's the Nephilim with the long heads. Guys, I'll explain this to you later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the recognizing of the, of the Nephilim. They're th what, what they're looking for is... Yeah. Another day. Maybe I'll... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is interaction between different dimensions. And... Yeah. But this is what they're looking for. Every time they've, they've uncovered... You know, Nephilim in, in like Sardinia, quite close to home. 
18, ancient skeletons. They're not that ancient. They're not that old. Yeah. They're still around. Wilters show the Gen 6 film here. Yeah, yeah. Shall, shall, we, shall we show it? Do you, do you want to see it? If we all look at it and, and then... It, it's quite heavy, but... It's, yes, two hours, two and a half hours. It's um, by a guy called Dan Quayle, and uh, he, he's, his production company is called Gen 6. And uh, we, we looked at it last, last year or the year before, um, and it really unpacks... The conspiracy. When they had another guy called Maguire who said that if I die in mysterious circumstances, don't believe it's an accident. And they had that guy's burial uh, at the end of last year. And he, they still haven't released why he died. He is in this production company. They're against the, the Catholic Church. They're exposing the corruption in there. And they're exposing what they're looking for. They went into this. Um, I don't know what you call it when they look. The, and, and, guess, and guess what they call it? Lucifer. Yeah, Lucifer. The, the telescope is called Lucifer. The, yeah, and it's, it's based in America. It's the biggest telescope. Hey? No, no, it's in America. It's in America. And it's on a mountain, which is actually the same mountain that the Apache Indians wanted to keep us holy because they knew it was a star. Anyway, that's a fucking Yeah. So, that's it. Amen. So, thank you very much for Andy. Great stuff. That was awesome. Let's give him Andy applause.